Good evening. We are in the middle of discussing the halakhas of Pachon, grinding and Shabbos, and let's just run briefly through that which we discussed in the previous year. We have a little way to go. We'll finish Pachon today, and then next year we'll start Losh, try and get through the halakhas of Lisha and Nizing and Shabbos, and then the year after that we will discuss the, hopefully the halakhas of Ma'abid, and the year after that I won't mention loud because you won't be too. <laughs> The <coughs> halachas which we discussed briefly last week as a continuation of Dosh. We finished off Dosh last week, the halachas of threshing, and we discussed foods which have been cooked or pickled and therefore have absorbed liquid during their, during their cooking process. That one is not allowed to squeeze the liquid out of these foods or pickles if the purpose of squeezing the liquid out is to drink the liquid. If the purpose of squeezing the liquid out is to enhance the food, then that is permitted. But to squeeze the liquid out of a cooked food in order to drink the liquid, that would be awesome. So, for instance, if you have a meat with gravy inside and you want to press, take a spoon and press the gravy out of the meat to eat the gravy, that would be completely awesome on Shabbos. That would be a, a mafaric, that would be a problem of removing a liquid from a solid. If, however, you have a can of tuna, and we discussed at length, I don't, I don't want to repeat that again, how to open a can of tuna and not to transgress the problem of the boiler. If we have a can of tuna and you want to drain the oil out of the tuna, then if you don't use the lid of the tuna, technically you can drain the oil out of the tuna, because you're not going to drink that oil, hopefully. The oil is going to go down the, down the, the sink, uh, or wherever it's going to go, and you're going to eat the tuna which has been drained. So the purpose of you draining the oil is to enhance the tuna that you want to eat. That's perfectly permitted. That's perfectly uh, permitted, and that's fine. But in order to drink the liquid, that's awesome. We then went on to discuss at length the halachas of expressing uh, a mother expressing her milk. We explained that to milk a cow or for a mother to express her milk is a problem of mafaric because you are removing a liquid from a solid. That's what you're doing. You're taking a liquid from something which is a non-liquid base and you're extracting that liquid. That's already a problem of mafaric. You're taking out a liquid from a non-liquid base, as we learned to discuss in the showroom previously at length, is, is considered mafaric. A child is allowed to nurse from, her mother, from his mother because that's fine. That's not mafaric. That's normal eating. But to express milk is a problem of mafaric. So we discussed then how to get around the, the issue of expressing milk in Shabbos. And we explained as follows. We said, if the reason why you're expressing milk is purely because you're in pain, or you don't actually need the milk itself, then the halakhas of mafaric say that only if the milk is actually edible at the point of when it's expressed, then is that called mafaric. If the milk is not edible, that's not called mafaric. So if you express the milk into a vessel, into a little bottle which has fairy liquid inside it, so the moment that the milk is extracted, it is non-edible, that's not mafaric. That's perfectly permitted, there's no problem at all. Because you've taken a liquid, but it's not really liquid, it's not edible. So to extract, or express the milk into a bottle which has fairy liquid inside it, that's perfectly permitted. The problem arises when you want to express the milk for the baby. You want the baby to drink the milk, and for whatever reason it is, you find it difficult to feed the nurse, so you want to express the milk. So we explain that then we have two options. Historically, the only option was to express less than the share of mefaric, which we said at the time was around about a teaspoonful. So which would mean you'd be expressing a teaspoonful and another teaspoonful and another teaspoonful, which is a, a rather laborious uh, thing to have to do. But we said nowadays with modern technology, where we have time clocks and electric pumps, etc., what we do is we put the, uh, the pump onto, on, the time, on the time switch, on the time clock, and just a few moments before it's about to go on, you place the pump in position, and then when the timer switches on, the pump will start pumping. It's not you doing it. It's happened by itself. It's as, as if uh, an outside 
an outside source, a pump, a guy, whatever it may be, is doing the pumping, that's perfectly permitted. And the reason why we allow you to do that is for the sake of the child, we allow you to put the, the pump, prepare it before Shabbos, as soon as the time switches on, you, you, it's already in position, it will express the milk on its own, and that milk can then be used. And that milk can then, can then be used. And that's the simplest way around the problem of expressing milk and Shabbos, which is an extremely big problem for, for uh, new mothers, etc. And uh, it's a very practical solution, which actually does work. We use it all the time, and it really does work. We then began to discuss halachas of Teichen, where we explained that the halacha of Teichen is basically to take a, a large object, and we'll talk about food, but it's not primarily food, take a large object and cut it into small pieces. Now, the definition of small cutting can be in any form or manner, shredding, grating, chopping, it's all considered cutting. Taking a large article and turning it into smaller pieces, small pieces is considered taken. Exactly what the criteria and the definition of small is, is not clear in halakha. It's very unclear in halakha. Therefore, all we can say is don't cut vegetables small for a salad on Shabbos. If you think it's small, then don't cut it. If you don't think it's small, then that's fine. If you think what you're doing is cutting into small pieces, you can take a, a cucumber and cut it in half, that's not a problem. Because nobody's going to say that a half a cucumber is small. And you can cut it into a quarter as well, and nobody's going to say a quarter is small. And you can probably cut it into a slice, and nobody's going to say a slice is small. From then on, it's debatable. Is a half a slice called small? Is a quarter of a slice, a slice called small? It's unclear in halakha. So whatever, in your mind, and in the minds of the average person, is considered small, that would be a problem <laughs> of, of, of taking and shabbos. You would not be allowed to cut that cucumber or vegetable or whatever it may be into that level of that small piece on Shabbos so if you are preparing a salad be aware that to cut the salad into small pieces on Shabbos is considered awesome whatever you're cutting any type of vegetable cucumber, tomato, mushrooms whatever it may be to cut it small is a problem of taken the halakha of taken applies with regards to food only to something which grows in the ground so all vegetables all fruits etc. would be a problem of taken. To make a fruit salad and cut them up into small pieces would be a problem of taken. Again, this, the definition of small is unclear. We don't know what small means. Small is small. Whatever is considered small is considered small. We don't really have a clear uh, measurement of what the, what's called a small piece of vegetable, a small, a small piece of fruit. But only if it's grown in the ground. Any food which is not grown in the ground may be cut into any size you like on Shabbos. So for instance, to mash an egg, chop an egg into small pieces of Shabbos, to chop your liver into small pieces of Shabbos, to cut up meat into small pieces of Shabbos, cheese, when cut cheese into small pieces of Shabbos, all perfectly fine, no problem at all. Because the dissertation only applies when regard, with regards to food to something which is grown in the ground. However, something which isn't grown in the ground and it's not food, is also an dissertation. So we discussed at length last, week, last year whether you're allowed to remove mud from the bottom of your shoe. Take a knife and scrape off the mud from the bottom of your shoe. When you scrape the mud, not mud off the bottom of your shoe, you are grinding the mud, which is now a solid paste, a solid hard mud, piece of mud, and you're turning it back into, you're crushing it into, scraping it, and it's going to end up back into powdery mud. And that's a problem of taking. And therefore, to remove mud from your shoe and shove it by scraping it off would be awesome. If you take off a large piece of mud, that's fine. But to scrape off small pieces of mud, scrape it off, would be a problem of taking and shove And there, there's no halacha that's got to be gedule kaka. So therefore, even to file metal would be a problem of taking the Shabbos because Gedule Kaka, the halacha of Gedule Kaka that's got to be grown from the ground that only applies to food, non-food items is taken irrelevant where, where it's sourced 
We then discussed briefly that mashing, no mashing doesn't seem to fit into the category of chopping or grating or grinding, etc. But mashing is the chakun, the chadmish is an isa, the raisa of pechen. So to take a fork and mash a banana on Shabbos, you could be transgressing a malacha, the raisa of pechen, according to the chadmish. Uh, Rosh Hashanah holds that there's no problem of pechen. But we said, ideally, one should try and be careful, and we're going to, this year, we're going to explain ways how to get around the problem of pechen so we can actually mash and chop, etc. Perhaps in a way which is perfectly permitted. So that's the, the halachas that we discussed in the previous year. Let's move on and see what we can, we can uh, practically come to some examples and the practical ways around the halakha of Tehran. So let's find some ways around Tehran. Now the first halakha in Tehran which enables us to grind is a halakha which is very interesting. It's a halakha which Chazal called Ein Tehran Acha There's no problem to grind something which is already ground. That means that is, if something has been ground and maybe perhaps man... M- but actions of man turned into another summit to regrind that into a small pieces or into flour is perfectly permitted. So to take bread, and the, 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 the Shulchan talks about taking pieces, large pieces of bread, and crushing it and, and turning it into small little tiny crumbs of bread to feed, to give the feed to your chickens, it's perfectly permitted in the Shabbos. It's got to be your chickens, because if not your chickens, you're not allowed to feed them the Shabbos. But you're taking bread, that's what the Shulchan is talking about. Imagine if you, you have a, a, a little farm in your back garden. There are people in our shul who have little farms in the back garden. You have a little farm in your back garden and you want to feed them uh, Shabbos. And you go to the feeding uh, cupboard, you see there's no more feed left. So what you do is you take some challah and you crush it into little crumbs and you throw it out to the chickens. Perfectly permitted. Why is that permitted? I'm taking a solid and I'm crushing it and turning it into small crumbs. It's still permitted. You know why it's permitted? Because a piece of bread has already been ground. The flour is already been ground from the, from the wheat and it's been turned into flour already. And then using the actions of man, I turned it into a solid by adding water, making it into dough and then baking it. There's no problem to regrind that again. To grind it again a second time, there's absolutely no problem to grind something that's already been ground once before. So, a practical example would be A practical example would be if you serving ice cream and you want to crush some biscuit to place on top of the ice cream. So you want to have a, a biscuit popping on the ice cream, so you have, you have the biscuits ready made, and you crush the biscuits as you serve the ice cream, no problem at all. Even though I'm taking a solid and I'm turning it into a smaller particle, but since the biscuit is made out of flour which has already been ground, and I, as, as with my human intervention, I've turned it back into some new type of solid, that's not a problem at all. You can happily crush that. Put it on cakes, put it on bits, on, on, your, uh, on, on your ice cream, whatever, whatever it may be. Or another very common example is if your sugar has been in, 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 in an area where there's no moisture, so it, it'll harden. You come to your cabin, you want a bit of sugar for your lemon tea, and your sugar is completely hardened. It's become a block of sugar. Are you allowed to now crush that sugar, break it down, give it a bang, so it all loosens, and you now have small sugar, granules of sugar as it should be. Here again, I'm taking a solid article, solid item, solid block of sugar, or sugar cube, and I'm crushing it, I'm turning it into smaller particles. And the same will be applied with the salt. If salt uh, hardens and becomes a, a single mass, I have no problem in taking that salt and crushing it again, because it's already been crushed once before. There's no problem with grinding something which has already been ground. There's a discussion in the, in the, in the posthum whether you can actually break a earthenware piece of pottery on Shabbos and turn it back into 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 earth. You could crush it. Why should you want to do that? I can't, I can't answer you. Uh, maybe you have some ostriches and they need to eat some, something something hard. But would there be would you be over an of taken by doing that? Because the way earthenware is made is you take 
earth or whatever clay and you turn it into paste and then you, you shape it and then you bake it and it now becomes an earthenware an earthenware vessel is wood crushing that and turning that back into powder constitute ain't taken a is of taken what do we say that goes into the banner of grinding do we say no ain't taken a taken there's a big discussion in the in the poskim the consensus is don't do it so if you really are in, in, in a rather rotten mood don't take your your na- nice uh, earthenware varieties on the side and crush it on the it's not worth it for more reasons than one another practical example would be medicine so if you have a child if you have a child who needs to take a medicine you have no uh, liquid um, medanol whatever it's called in, in the house so what you want to do is you take a panadol and you crush it put it into a drink and they can drink it so here again the way the panadol is made is made out of powder which is solidified and held together in some form heated wherever it may be turned into a tablet form I'm now crushing something which has already been crushed before <coughs> no problem at all there's no issue of crushing something which has already been crushed that is the first halacha. However, there is one little area here which you have to be very careful. You made a salad before Shabbos. Lovely salad, a beautiful fruit salad or vegetable salad, and you're about to serve it, put it on the table, or you're about to get it ready for the table in a couple of hours before the suda, and you realize that the pieces are a bit too, maybe they're a little bit too big, maybe it would look nicer if you cut it into smaller pieces. So you take out a knife and you start chopping all the pieces of vegetables into smaller pieces. And you'll turn around and, and you'll say, well, there's no problem here, because it's already been ground. I've cut them into small pieces already before Shabbos. So I'm just cutting something which has been ground into smaller pieces. And that should be no problem of token, because we've just learned that ain't taken a token. But here you have it, that that wouldn't be permitted. And the reason why this wouldn't be permitted is, again, back to the original problem. We don't know what small means. And if we don't know what small means, it could be that the pieces you have have never been ground. They're still con- considered large. And when you then cut it into smaller pieces, you're now actually grinding, you're actually cutting a large piece into a small piece. We don't know small means flour size, the size of a, of a grain of flour. Does it mean the size of a grain of sugar? Does it mean the size of a small piece of cucumber? Does it mean the size of a quarter of a piece of cucumber? We have no idea. So therefore, if you have a salad which has already cut vegetables in it, you would not be allowed to continue to cut it smaller on Shabbos, because even though we have a rule, there's no problem to grind something which has already been ground, but this is not considered ground yet, or might not be considered ground, and therefore we have to be cautious that we would not be allowed to continue to chop that salad into smaller pieces. So, where we are so far is we have two areas where grinding is permitted on Shabbos. The first area, as we discussed in the previous year, is grinding something which is not Gidulikaka. So I'm allowed to grind my meat on Shabbos, I can grind my liver, I can grind my eggs, I can cut cheese into small pieces, no problem at all for Shabbos Shudders, you can make a, a, a salad with small little pieces of cheese, absolutely no problem at all, and we have a lot of eight and half a something which has already been ground, maybe ground again on Shabbos. However, there is one condition attached to this, and one very simple condition, that even though you are allowed to grind in these, circun- in these situations, these different types of items, however, to use a grinding utensil, to use a utensil which is normally used for grinding, is completely awesome. It's also with Rabbonon because of Ubda de Choyle. It looks like you're doing a weekday action. So, to take a grater on Shabbos, a hand grater, and grate your eggs for the meal, you're, you're not really doing Taitan because there's nothing wrong in cutting eggs into, chopping eggs into small pieces. There's nothing wrong with really grating an egg. What's wrong here is I'm using an item of equipment that's an, a weekday item, an item that's used for the week and during the week, and therefore that would be a problem. However, I can take a knife and chop my 
my egg and chop it because that's not a problem. You don't normally chop eggs with a knife. Well, I can take a, a, a fork and chop my, and, and mash my egg on chop because you don't normally mash an egg with a fork. You would normally mash it on a grater. On a grater. That's not called a, a, a piece of equipment which is specific for grating. That would be no problem at all. We'll come back later and we'll discuss some more examples of that. But any so uh, another simple example would be if you have some meat and you want to grind it on Shabbos, you won't be allowed to put it through your hand grinder because even though you're doing no malacha per se, you're not actually transgressing the malacha person because there's nothing wrong in grinding meat, but you may not use a tool which is specifically for that purpose. Sorry, yes. Can you, what's the you can break out screws. It's, 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 yeah, it's not. It's not good to carry. They're big. You can, there's nothing wrong with crushing in most screwdrivers. What about if you crushed That would be a problem. Of, of uh, to crush it into small would be a problem of grinding. Because peppercorn is growing the ground. It would be a problem of grinding. There is another area where Chazal gave us a little uh, respite from the Melacha of Teichen, and a very unusual, something which is specific and only found in the Melacha of Teichen, and that is as, as follows. We normally say that any Melacha, in order for you to transgress a Melacha, for it to be a biblical Issa, you have to do it in a normal manner. So if you're carrying, we discussed the Melacha, you've got to carry in a normal manner. The moment you carry in an unusual fashion, that's called Kilachiyad, and it's not a biblical Issa. It will be Asa Midrabonon. All Kilachiyad is Asa Midrabonon. The reason why you're not Asa Midrabonon is because Melechus Machshev is Asa It's got to be done in the normal way. So if you carry in a backhanded manner, or I do any Melacha in a backhanded manner, I switch on the light with my elbow, Min Hatayr I've not done any Melacha. What I have done is I've transgressed the Melacha Drabonon. Because though Min Hatayr there's no Issa, Chazal said, any Kilachiyad is Asa Midrabonon. We do allow certain Kilachiyad at certain times, in certain circumstances, but in normal cases, any malacha which is done to Nachiyat might not be an Isra Minatayr, but will be a malacha Drabonon. It will be a malacha Drabonon. However, when it comes to the malacha of Teichen, for some reason, Chazal said that Teichen which is done in, a, in an unusual manner is not considered Teichen. So, for instance, the Gemara talks about grinding pepper. You were talking about grinding pepper. So, Gemara talking about grinding pepper. Now, grinding pepper is normally done with a mortar and a pestle, right? I don't know which one's which, so don't try and catch me up. <laughs> it, it, it's done with a mortar and a pestle. That would be the, the normal old-fashioned way. Nowadays, we'd use a pepper grinder. Whatever pepper grinder is, we'd use a little, one of these little pepper grinders. So to grind with a mortar and a pestle, to grind with a pepper grinder, that would be completely an isomalot on Shabbos. However, to take a, a, a knife and take the handle of a knife and crush the peppercorn, or to crush the pepper, or whatever it is, that's no problem at all. And not only is it no problem, it's not even Asa Midrabonon. Despite the fact that I'm doing the exact same action as grinding, if I would be using a mortar and pestle, I'm grinding, I'm crushing it, and I'm turning it from a solid into a powdery substance, into a smaller substance. But since I'm doing it backhanded, and it could be grinding with your fingers, I don't know if that's normal. If that's called normal, then it'll be Asa. If, if it's not normal, then it'll be permitted. If it's ab- unusual, then it's perfectly permitted. If it's unusual, it's permitted. So I can't answer the specifics, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a cook, so I don't know what one, how one normally grinds peppercorns. But if it's unusual, it'll be permitted. Now, not all unusual cases do we allow. That's why I'm not so sure. We allow the unusual cases that, that, that the Gemara tells us. And the Gemara talks about using the back of a knife, the same with the back of a spoon or the back of a fork. That type of method of crushing is considered unusual, and that will be perfectly permitted. And that's an enormous escape. You can then take, therefore, take a back of a, a, a knife, 
and some are cut vegetables if you could if you didn't mind the vegetables looking a bit messy and not being so perfectly neat if you had a, a back of a, a knife which wasn't a, a, one of these big handles like a thin and you chopped vegetables that would be absolutely fine because you're not using a normal utensil it's totally kilachiyat kilachiyat is perfectly permitted Unusual for unusual. It's not the normal way to do it. Yeah, yeah. There, are, there are many unusual people around. Right. <laughs> so, let's go back to the mashing. We were discussing, you have a, a young child, a, a baby who you want to feed banana to, um, to mash the banana with a fork might be a problem because a fork is the normal way of mashing a banana. What does one do? If you take a banana and you mash it with the back of a spoon, which no, not too difficult, pretty easy to do, no problem at all, perfectly permitted. So if you use the front of the, of the fork, you could be, according to the Chazanish, transgressing a deraisa, a biblical command of Teichon. You just use the back of the, of the fork, the handle of the fork, and you've got no problem at all. So, do we have to starve our children in the shop? No, we can feed them mass banana if they're prepared to take it. They're not old enough to realize how, how uh, inedible it looks. That you, you can feed the mass banana in but mash it with the back of a spoon. Mash it with the back of a spoon. There's a, a, a third area in Taikan which is, needs to be discussed at length because though we don't completely comply with it, we do it some, in, some, in some circumstances, but it's extremely important for us to to learn this area of halakha and that's like this the Rajbo who was one of the early Rishonim he came out with a very big Kiddush a very uh, an unusual halakha when it comes to Teichon and he compares Teichon to the Malacha of Boya those who remember when we discussed Boya many moons ago we, dis- we discussed the halakha of Boya is that Boya can be separated Soilus if you take the Soilus the weight away from the food Soilus doesn't have to be actual weight what you don't want to eat if you take the oil from the psalis, I mean, psalis and oil is no good. If you take the oil from the psalis, it's okay, but there's conditions attached. One of those conditions was they have to be immediately prior to eating. Came along the Rashi and he said, just like in Boyer, you're allowed to separate the food from the waste if it's just prior to when you're about to eat. You're about, you're about, to, be, about to begin your meal. So too, you're allowed to grind if it's just prior to eating. Now the reason behind this, the Mishnah Baruch says, is because that's called eating. That's called eating. Now, there's, a, there's an element of logic to this, and of course there's, well, there's logic to everything, but there's a logic that we can understand. When I take a, a, a cucumber and I eat a piece of cucumber, I'm grinding. That, that's what my teeth are there for. They're there to grind the food. If I didn't grind the food, I wouldn't be able to eat it. So I am actually grinding when I eat. But that's not a problem, because that's eating. That's not grinding. Grinding is if you're not eating. Eating is called eating. It's not called grinding. It's true that when I eat, I also do a, I'm going through a process of grinding. But that is the, the process of eating. That's the action of eating. That's not called grinding at all. Grinding is to grind, to do an action which is called a grinding action. Eating is not called a grinding action. How do you define crushing, cutting, chopping, just before you're eating. So I want to eat my cucumber, I want to eat my banana. Can I mash it the moment before I'm eating my banana? Is that a problem that or not? Says the Rashi, well, I don't see a problem with that. That's exactly the same as boira. Just like boira, I can separate the food from the waste as long as it's within the criteria of before, within the time frame of before my meal, I can actually grind before my meal. So, according to this Rashi, it would come out an unbelievable Kiddush. If you have guests, and you want to make a salad, yes, it's got to be before the meal. And we explained that a lot of the butter before, it doesn't have to be a moment before you're eating. 
anything which is within the normal preparation time of a meal. <coughs> so you have you're starting your meal at twelve o'clock. We're very we, we, you know very accomplished for us. Twelve o'clock on the dot we start our meal. So you start preparing your table at eleven o'clock. Takes an hour. Half past eleven you've laid the table. You then go into the kitchen. You start making your salad. And when you finish your salad, you're going to you know, I don't know what else, so you put the meat on the plate and etc. etc. And at 12 o'clock you're going to be just ready for your meal. Just ready for your meal. So that's, you're taking, you're using all your time up to the meal for preparation. Then, at half past 11 you could technically, according to the grass block, sit down at the table with your chopping board and a knife and your vegetables and cut your vegetables as small as you like and make a salad. Because it's within the time frame of the normal preparation time of a meal, that would be no problem. It would be not called token, that's, that's called normal eating. That's called eating. It's still within the, the definition of eating rather than the definition of grinding. And that's an un- unbelievable colour. It's an unbelievable colour. However, like with Halak Zabaya, if you were going to shul for Shabbos, you had a huge big bar mitzvah, there's going to be a big crowd, and the robber's going to give a drush and you didn't want to miss it. So you decide that you're going to get up very early and you make your salad at 8 o'clock in the morning, Cut it very nice and small because you want it to look decent and presentable. And then you, off you go to shul, then you come back and you serve the salad. That's not called within normal preparation time. You want to do something in between. Or even if you prepare your meal and you sit in the armchair for half an hour beforehand because you're exhausted from the preparation and you want to rest so you should be awake and have the strength to serve the meal, that's also not considered just prior to It's got to be prior to the meal, as we learned in the Malacca Burr exactly the amount of time that's needed for preparing a meal. If you're preparing a meal for 100 people, it might take you three hours to prepare that meal. Then that's fine. Three hours before you can prepare the salad because you're, you're, the, those three hours are taken up with preparing for the meal. So according to the rational, that would be okay if it's within the time of normal preparation for a meal. However, as with all these little caveats, you have a little problem here. There's, there are many Rishonim who disagree. Many, many Rishonim disagree and they say that there's no such halacha as preparing just moments before a meal. And that creates a bit of difficulty for us because the short is not clear. It's not clear in our locker how we actually paskin. Do we paskin that you are allowed to or do you paskin not allowed to? It's not clear in Mishnah Brewer, it's not clear, it's not clear in our locker. So as with all these cases, you could be bordering on a problem of a derisor here. So what we say is, yes, the Rashbor is definitely somebody we can rely on. And in, in cases of need, when there's a real necessity, there's what to rely on. You can rely on the Rashbor, that's not the problem. So if you had a child who didn't have any food and you wanted to uh, mash a banana and you couldn't mash it, it was a hard banana and the back of the fork, the back of the fork wouldn't do it and if you didn't mash it with a fork, the, the child wouldn't have food to eat, then no problem, you take a fork and you mash it just as you're about to feed it, so that's no problem according to the Rashford. You are mashing just before he's about to eat, that's not a problem of taking at all. If you have a softer banana and you can do it kalachiyat, then don't take a soft banana, do it kalachiyat. Where we're in a situation of need, you can be makel, but in a situation where you don't need to, don't be makel. That seems to be how the Potkin would like to suggest the halacha, how one should, um, how one should approach this, this, this scenario and these halachas. However, with regards to this color of the rashbol, it would only apply, understandably, to food items. Because a non-food item, it was so, say you're coming into your house and just before you meet, you notice you've got some mud on your shoe and you, it's not nice, it's a meal with mud on your shoe, it doesn't, doesn't not, it's not nice, so you want to scrape it off. It might be just before a meal, but it's not going to help you. Because the whole reasoning behind the Rajboy is that we can consider this as eating. You can't consider scraping the mud off your shoe as eating. So this new idea of the Rajboy will only apply to food. It will only apply to food. And here again, and here again, you, you would have to be extremely careful. 
would have to be extremely careful to make sure that the only items that you use are items which are not specific for the only type of the grinding you grinder you will use is something which is not specific for grinding. So you wouldn't be allowed to use any so a mandolin, for instance, which is to make a Sabbath or Shabbos. Would you be, you wouldn't be allowed to use that because that's an item which is there for chopping, so there for cutting into small pieces. You would not be allowed to use that Shabbos to make a Sabbath. If it's going to be cutting into large pieces, you would be allowed to use it. That's not a problem. It's not doing any more But to use it to grind or to cut into small pieces, depending which blade was it was was placed in it, would be a problem of the dechayos on Shabbos. Now, since we, we can understand that Chazal only allowed, according to the Rasba, only allowed this little way out if it's food, we can go back and begin to understand all our shurim that we discussed and we learned all the halachas of Rafur. Chazal forbade us from taking medication on Shabbos. Why did they forbid us from taking medication on Shabbos? Because you might come to grind. But so what if you come to grind? You're going to grind, you might come to grind your medicine and you'll take your medicine and eat it. And so what? What's wrong with grinding my medicine? I'm grinding just before I, I take the medicine and there's not going to be a problem. And the answer is because medicine is not considered food. And since medicine is not considered food, when you eat medicine, it's not really considered food. That's why in Yom Kippur, we have certain, certain scenarios and situations, we have ways around taking medication on, on the time that's on Yom Kippur in, in, in cases of need because it's not considered food, it's not considered eating. And therefore, Kazal said, to grind would be a real malacha the writer. And I won't have any me. I won't have any way out because it's just before I'm eating or a way out because it's just um, it, 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 yeah, well, the only way out really is just before I'm eating I wouldn't have that way out so I'd end up grinding my herbs to turn it into medication which would be an isidurized replacement and in order to prevent that Chazal said no, no medicine at all in Shabbos no medicine and they said anybody unless you're a chayla complete, a complete chayla kolaguf no medicine in Shabbos at all and we can understand that now, even though the Rashi tells us that prior to eating you can grind, because this is not called prior to eating. Medicine is not called eating. You don't eat medicine. You take medicine, you don't eat medicine. Finally, so we've come to more or less the end of Melechus Let's go through now about lots practically, and I'll give you a few more examples of where we are, and next year we'll begin with Melechus So, to recap briefly, we discussed something which is growing in the ground, Something which is growing in the ground, any fruit, vegetables which are growing in the ground may not be cut on Shabbos into small pieces. The size of the small pieces, we have no idea what that is. So anything which is considered small, do not cut on Shabbos. If you've cut them already, before Shabbos into small pieces, you may not continue to cut them into smaller pieces on Shabbos, because again, we don't know what the size of small is, and to cut them into smaller pieces could be a problem of taking. You might actually be grinding what's really considered a large piece into a small piece, and that's no good. You are allowed to grind chop, mash with uh, uh, a shinui. A shinui would only be with the back of a spoon, the back of a knife, etc. You can cut with the back of a spoon, the back of a knife, that would be no problem at all. Mashing, we considered mashing part of the process of grinding. As the Chathanish says, because you're breaking a large article down into, small, into, smaller, into a smaller article, you're breaking down the large article, which is really the malacha. However, to do it with a shinui, to do it with the back of a spoon, the back of a fork, the back of a knife, would be no problem at all. To grind things which are not grown from the ground, is perfectly permitted. So to grind eggs, meat, chicken, cheese, anything like that would be no problem of grinding on Shabbos. However, one would not be allowed to use any article which is set aside, which is normally used for grinding. So, for instance, you would not have to use a grater on Shabbos. You wouldn't be allowed to use a garlic press on Shabbos. Right? A garlic is, is even for something which is permitted. So I couldn't, like, put a piece of 
I don't know, put a piece of um, a meat or a piece of liver in my garlic press to, to crush it on, on, on Shabbos to grind it, it would be completely awesome. I can't crush garlic anyway because garlic is gaduli kaka. No, that would be completely awesome. But even something which is mutter, I wouldn't be allowed to use in my garlic press. Or any type of grinder would be, wouldn't be, would, would, would be awesome. A pestle and a, and a mortar and a pestle would be awesome. A potato masher. So if you have ready cooked potatoes, can I mash them with my potato masher on Shabbos? That would be a problem of grinding. You're now taking a solid and you're mashing it on Shabbos, which we said mashing is ideally something you should avoid on Shabbos. Using a potato masher is definitely awesome. So even to take a potato masher and mash your eggs with a potato masher would be completely awesome on Shabbos. Uh, to take a cheese gra- uh, grater, these, you get these handheld cheese graters, will be awesome on Shabbos. Even though there's nothing wrong with cutting cheese into small portions, because you're using a type of instrument which is set aside, which is normally used for grinding, shredding, <coughs> mashing, with any, ty- any type of any type of action which cuts larger pieces into small pieces, that's completely awesome because of Abdullah However, to use an egg slicer, I don't know if anybody actually uses them anymore, but when I was, when I was a child, we had an egg slicer, you put the egg on it and just, that's not a problem at all because that's just cut. That's not grinding, it's not cutting into small pieces, it's just slicing an egg and that's perfectly permitted, that's just cutting. That's, that, that's just cutting it. An egg, egg slicer or a cheese slicer, any of those type of things are considered knives and they just cut, they don't grind into small pieces. They don't grind, grind into small pieces. So hopefully that's given us a bit of a background to the Malachah of Teichon and where it really is relevant. Preparing a Shabbos meal is really relevant. All the halachas we learned of Dosh, Teichon, and we'll see you next week, in two weeks' time, the halachas of Losh, Nisha, was really extremely relevant in the kitchen. And we'll finish off with the Malachah of Ma'abud, which, though Ma'abud doesn't seem to have anything to do with food, as we discussed in the previous show, is many areas of, of, of food preparation where Ma'abud is relevant. So Meshachim, we will come back in two weeks' time to finish off the Malachah of Losh. Cheese slicer you can use, yes. Because that doesn't cut into small pieces, just slices. That's not a problem. Because it's not wrong using a tool if it's not doing a malacha. It's not grinding. It's a, no problem at all. Like you can use a mandolin to make a, a vet, to make a salad. But if you use the blades which are large. So we discussed two weeks ago that slicing is probably not called grinding because if it's still got the whole shape to it, you can't say that's been cut into a small piece. So uh, to slice is, is probably no problem with sharpness to cut into, you're just using a knife. The problem with, with a grater is I'm using an a, 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 a instrument which is a weekday instrument to do something which is really a malacha, even though the malacha is not a. But to take a knife, because it's a nice elaborate knife, you chop with a knife, that's no problem. No problem. Peeling, for instance, we don't peel with a, with a peeler because peeling is bayra. It might be permitted in certain circumstances, but you don't use a keli, which is slippery. That technique would be okay, yes. Because you're not, you're not, uh, you're not peeling. Yeah, so, uh, you're not peeling, yeah. Somebody else wants to... Sorry. Yomtev's got different problems of taking. It's, 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 it's a taking on Yomtev, and therefore we don't use a great Yomtev as well, but Yomtev's got a slightly different, different uh, categories. And, and the background to a lot of the Yomtev are some a lot of Shomuta, sometimes they're also boy references is more permitted than Yomtev when needed. Uh, and I don't want to get, go down the route of uh, learning of Yomtev. Maybe we will do that, maybe in, in the coming show, but not now. Would a box grater be Yomtev? It's got some, it's like a four-sided um, grater. Uh, well, it's got some, some would be just slicing. So the slicer you can use. It's slicer, but... But you could, wouldn't be allowed to use the other side, because the other but, is... But it, but it, be, it wouldn't be Mutsa. It, 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 it is, it's a Kedish but the Kedish you're allowed to use. The yeah, you the if you need the bit which you want, then that's perfectly permitted. That's perfectly permitted. Just a short Vathaya, before we finish. The Gemara tells us, well this week is Pashat Yisrael, 
And Pastor Yisrael is the so, sorry story of Kabbalah Zatayr, understandably. The Gemara tells us a very interesting scenario, story that took place before, just before Kabbalah Zatayr. We all know that Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemaim, went up to Abhasinai, up on the cloud, up to Shemaim to receive the Torah, to bring the Torah back down to this world. So the Gemara tells us, when he w- went up to Shemaim, the Malachah Shoris turned around to Hakadosh Baruch and they said, "Male Yilod Isha Beinenu." Why is this human being in Shemaim? What right has he got to be up here? Uh, Shemaim is made for Malachim; it's not made for human beings. And Hakadosh Baruch said to them, he said, "Lekabel Torah He's come to receive the Torah. So they said to the Rebbeinu, the Malachim said to the Rebbeinu, "I don't understand." He said, "Chamuda Genuza Shigamzuk Shigenuza Loch." You have this treasure which has been hidden close to you. Tesha Meir to Shivim Abodayus Kedush Shnevar Eilam. That's eight hundred and Eight hundred and seventy-four, nine hundred and seventy-four years before the world was created. The Torah tells us two thousand years before the world was created. 974 years. 974 years is... That's right. So before, the, before the world was created. The world was created... The Torah was there at 2,000 years before. So there's 1,000 years plus 974. Add that to the 26, you get to your 1,000. You add up with 1,000 years before the, before the world was created. The Torah was, should have been there, was given to the world 1,000 years before. But I just waited a thousand years till we could give it to us. So, you have this tremendous treasure which you've hidden away for, for us. Long before the world was created. Now you want to give it to human beings? So, Hakashvaka turned around to Moshe Rabbeinu and, and they quote the positive. He said, Your beauty should be in Shemaim. What you're doing in, in, down here? Wrong place to be. So Kishwaka turned around to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you give him an answer. You answer, you explain why the Torah. So Mara tells us he was scared. He was scared that the Malachim would, would burn him. So Kishwaka said, hold on to the Kishwaka. Don't worry. And then in the end, Moshe Rabbeinu said, said as follows. He said, what's it, ri- what's it, written, what's it written in the Torah? He said, Rabbeinu Shalom. What's written in the Torah? It says, Amnoichi Hashem Lekecho, Asher Tzitzichom and Mitzrayim. So he said, turn around to Malachim. He said, the Mitzrayim, you're out of them. Did you go down to Mitzrayim? The parish Sabbath did you work for Parish? Tayyar Lama Tayyarakam, what's Tayyar got to do with you? How can you have the Tayyar? It doesn't, doesn't seem to apply to you. And he goes on, he says, the Tayyar says, You must have served idols. And they said to the Malachim, Did you live amongst the nations? Who serve idols? You don't serve. Idol worship has got nothing to do with you. You're nowhere near idol worship. So what do you want the Tayyar for? The Tayyar doesn't seem to be applicable to you. The question which we need to understand here is the, the Malachim knew what was written in the Torah. They were no fools. They knew exactly what the Torah was all about. So what was that question and what was Moshe Rabbeinu's answer? And here lies a very important, important uh, message and a lesson for all of us. And perhaps that's the lesson of Nasser and Nishma. We know when Kalishol came to Asina and Mishpoka offered them the Torah, they said Nasser and then Nishma. What does it mean they said Nasser? They prepared to do before they even listened. You can't really do before you listen. But perhaps there's, there's a message here which we can take up from, from this Gemara. The Malachim turned around to Akashvaka and they said, Tayyar is tremendously great. It comes from long before the created world. It has its sources tremendously high up, long before any of us were ever thought about. 
Why do you want to bring Torah, which is so lofty and so spiritual, down to the physical world? It doesn't, it doesn't belong there. It belongs somewhere more spiritual. It belongs where we, the Malachim, are. We, Malachim, are spiritual people. Put your beauty in the Shemaim. Shemaim is where godliness should be found. Shemaim is where spirituality should be found. The world, the physical world, is not where there should be, there should be Torah. So Akash Baka turned around to Moshe. He said, Moshe, you're a Yudud Isha. You're a human being. You're someone who comes from the, from the physical world. You tell them the answer. So he turned around and he said, look at the Torah. The Torah wasn't meant just to remain spiritual. The Torah was meant to be brought down to the physical world and to turn the physical world into spirituality. That's what we are here for. We were to bring the Torah down to this world and elevate the world we live in. If we use Torah only as a means of some mental uh, exercise, but we don't actually live Torah, we're, we're completely misunderstanding what Torah is all about. Torah is meant to be only to people who were in Mitzrayim. They were in Mitzrayim, they were in the lowest place in the world. And they came out of Mitzrayim and they received that Torah to elevate the physical world. That's who the Torah can be to. People who live amongst the nations, and the nations are serving idol worship, and we take those, the, the places and the physicality that we live in, and we elevate that to Torah, that's cool, bringing Torah to this world. That's the purpose of Torah. That's what the Rebbein Shonen wants. It's not meant to be in Shemaim. Shemaim, yes, Torah is in Shemaim, but that's not the actual purpose. The purpose of the Kabbalah Torah is that we should, in this world, take the Torah and actually live with the Torah every moment of our lives. And the Gemara tells us how the Malachim agreed with that, and they understood, and they actually gave presents to Moshe Rabbeinu to bring back down to earth, so that Torah can be brought down to this world, and then turn the world, the whole physical world, back into one piece of Torah. And perhaps that's the message when we said, Nasa Benishma. What do we mean when we said to the Benishma, Nasa Benishma? We understood, we said, look, of course, Torah really is to be learned. Torah is something which is intellectual. It's something to be heard and understood. But Nasa to actually be done, and the Torah should be down here in the physical world where we actually work, the world of work, the world where we toil in the physical ground. That's not really for Torah. Says it was said, Kalishon, no. We understand the message of Torah. Nasa, Torah has to be down first in the physical world, in the low world that we live in, and then we can elevate it, and we can become a Nishma, and we can all become a world of spirituality. And that's really the, 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 the message of Kabbalah Torah. We, we live in a world which seems to completely be the opposite of everything that Torah stands for. We have to take the Torah and bring it into this world, spread the world of Torah, spread the covered Akashvaka throughout the world, and elevate the world into a piece of Torah, and then we'll be exactly to see the Bishagoyal, Imhebi Amen. Amen.